When Hudson Taylor went to China many years ago uh, as a missionary, his burden and desire was to share the gospel with uh, the native Chinese people. Uh, but he did it in a way that wasn't um, the traditional way that other missionaries would have done it. He lived amongst the people. He went into the rural areas. He dressed uh, like the people as well. And that caused a lot of pushback from the other missionaries and the other people uh, that were also serving in China. Uh, Hudson and his wife Maria were often criticized for their methods and their means of evangelizing and their ways of sharing the gospel. And it was something difficult for them to go through. Maria said this at one point. She said, quote, as to the harsh judgings of the world, or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. And that's what happened. God vindicated them. Their work ended up being tremendously fruitful, and Hudson Taylor became a pioneer in missions that many others followed, and so many joined his missions, uh, mission agency, which still continues till today. And so we see that in the midst of hardships, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of persecution, they pressed forward. Today's message is about rescue from the enemies. As we've been studying through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, one thing that we see that happened is that Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, they all faced opposition at some point in time. And the truth is, in our lives, we will also face opposition. Here's a question for you. A couple of weeks ago, we shared about spiritual disciplines. Don't put your hand up. But how many of you, you left that service and thought, okay, I'm going to try one of these, and then completely failed? Anyone like that? Don't put up your hand. But there's probably some people like that, that with all good intentions, you tried your best to do something, uh, you wanted to exercise some of those uh, spiritual disciplines, and unfortunately, maybe it didn't happen. And there could be a variety of reasons for that. Some of those reasons could be spiritual opposition. Now, it could be on us, and this could be our own laziness, right? But also, we have to realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood or against people. Our battle is a spiritual one. And so the enemy is out against us to stop us from actually entering into those spiritual disciplines, following Jesus, doing the will of God, and uh, drawing closer to Jesus. And so we have to be very mindful uh, of that. And that's why uh, as we uh, take a look at God's word this morning, I want to share with you a number of different ways uh, that the enemy was opposing Ezra and Nehemiah and the people in their rebuilding. Specifically, uh, we're going to look at Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls, um, but also some of the provisions that God has made for us as well particularly in this New Testament period, that we can look to the Lord for help uh, in time of need. And so today, if you're facing some oppositions, if you're facing some persecution, if you're facing some difficulties, some trials, some challenges, I want to give you some hope right from the beginning. It's from the song that we just sang, Victory Belongs to Jesus. That's our hope. Unfortunately for Ezra and Nehemiah, they didn't know that, Right? They knew about God giving them victory, but they didn't know the fullness of that victory that we do in Jesus Christ through the cross of Calvary. So I want to just sort of break the message up into two, into two parts. The first part is don't be ignorant of the evil schemes of the enemy. We have to be aware that we are in a spiritual battle. 
in the in the contemporary world that we live in today, in the in the post-Christian world that we live in today, uh, spiritualism has become a very big thing. Uh, witchcraft has become a very big thing. And for a lot of people, if you've grown up in the West, maybe some of these things of spiritualism, witchcraft, uh, spiritual activities, and things like that, maybe are not very common to you, uh, but if you have spent any time in another country, particularly uh, in Africa, in some other Asian countries as well, you might realize that there is uh, quite a number of spiritual activities that take place that actually are the result of evil. Um, in as much as we acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit as a good work in our lives and in the world today, there also needs to be an acknowledgement that there is a, a, an evil work that is happening in the world. Paul talks about that. We won't go into those scriptures this morning, but Paul talks about the, the powers of darkness, the evil that is in the world, the spiritual wickedness in high places that are coming against the people of God. And for us, we need to have that understanding and acknowledge that, yes, we are living in a spiritual world, not just in a physical world, and that there is spiritual powers that are at work and, and at play. And we can see uh, through the life of Ezra uh, and Nehemiah that they were also aware of this, particularly in a physical sense. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. Uh, he talks about different things that were happening, and he says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Friends, we need to be familiar with the evil schemes of the enemy. Uh, we have to uh, understand that we're living in, in, in a spiritual uh, world. We're living in a, in, a, in a place and a time when the enemy is out to attack us in a spiritual way. We see it happening in a physical way to, uh, to Nehemiah, and we want to take some of those lessons that Nehemiah learned and apply it to us in a spiritual sense as well because they're very real uh, schemes of the enemy, attacks uh, of the enemy uh, that can come against us. And so I just want to highlight a few different things uh, this morning. Morning. Number one, he'll try to rob us of our God-given vision. I want to encourage each and every one of you to seek God for a vision for yourself and for your family. To ask the Lord, Lord, what is my purpose in this world? What is the reason that I'm living here? What do you want me to accomplish? What do you want my family to accomplish in this world? And there is a vision that God wants to give to each and every one of us. I want to encourage you to, to seek that out and to ask the Lord about it, but realize that when we do that, the enemy is going to be out against us to try to rob us of that God-given vision. For Nehemiah, he said this, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? So here, they were trying to bring doubt and confusion into the heart of Nehemiah and saying, are you doing something against the king? Nehemiah had gotten permission from the king already, but this was the start of their attack against Nehemiah by trying to bring doubt and confusion, trying to bring um, a question in Nehemiah's heart, this vision that God gave me, if I'm to fulfill that, I'm actually gonna go against the king? See, God gave Nehemiah a vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that the people can be protected, Jerusalem can be protected, the city of God could be protected, but, but Sanballat and Tobiah and others, they were trying to come against Nehemiah and destroy that vision right from the beginning. And they started right at the foundation. Did the king really give you permission? Are you sure? And sometimes the enemy will speak to us that way. Did God really say that about you? 
It's okay for other people, but not for you. And God tries to bring doubt and confusion into our heart and mind, particularly with the promises of God. The king had given a promise to Nehemiah and blessed him and sent him forth and given him provision so that he could rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem were trying to bring doubt towards that vision. And in our lives as well, when God speaks a promise to us, the enemy is out to destroy those promises. The enemy is out to speak against that and destroy the foundation of that vision and say, did God really say this to you? It was the same attack that he used with Adam and Eve all the way in the Garden of Eden when God spoke, when the devil spoke uh, to Eve to say, did God really say you can't eat of this? And so the, the enemy is out to destroy that vision. And so friends, seek that vision. It's so important. A lot of times we're very, we're very uh, uh, lax in this and we don't seek out a vision for our lives. We don't seek out the purpose of God for our lives and for our family. And because of that, the devil is happy. He doesn't have to do anything because we're not even doing anything towards that end. But the moment we take a step towards Jesus and ask him to reveal his will for our lives and for our families and his purposes in our lives so that we can live intentionally gospel-focused lives in this world in the years that he has given to us, the enemy will come out against that. The enemy will try to destroy that in our lives and in our children as well. He said this in Nehemiah 2.20. He said, I replied, this was Nehemiah's reply to them, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. He replied back and said, I don't care what you're saying. I have a vision for what we're going to do. We are going to rebuild this wall. You have no right or authority here. God has given me a vision. I'm going to execute it. See the boldness of Nehemiah in responding to these claims. Number two, he will mock and discourage us. The enemy is out. One of his, his greatest weapons is to bring discouragement to our lives. Anyone here, have you ever faced discouragement before? I have. I better raise two hands, right? This is an attack. We are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. One of his ways in tearing down God's work in our life is to mock us and to bring discouragement to us. Look at what it says in Nehemiah 4. He says this, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? He starts to mock them. What, what good can you do? What can you do for Jesus? You, you don't even know the Bible. How are you going to tell somebody about Jesus? How are you going to serve in the church? You don't have any gifts. You don't have any talents. You're just poor and feeble. Have you ever heard that from the enemy before? He tries to mock us. He tries to discourage us. Right? Oh, Daniel asked me to come up and pray. I don't think I can do that. Daniel asked me if I can come and read some scripture. I don't know if I can do that. And maybe we hear the voice of the enemy that prevents us from taking that step of faith. Maybe God gives us a vision to do something in service towards him and it requires a step of faith on our part. And instead of taking that step of faith, we are mocked in, our, in this, this internal voice. The enemy speaks to us and says, no, no, you can't do that. When God wants us to step out on the water, God wants us to take that step of faith, to believe in him that he's able to do something for us. Do they think they can build a wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? This is a lie of the enemy. They weren't even trying to build it in a single day. That wasn't their intent. But see how the enemy changes things around and says, you think you can do it in a single day? I wasn't even talking about doing it in a single day. 
Well, yeah, but you think you can do it in a single day? You can never. And see, he changes the narrative. He changes the intention, and he, and he reframes it, and then it makes us discouraged and says, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't do it in a single day, so why, not, why even try? Right? There, there's a way that he is attacking us. Right? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Look at all of this garbage that's around. Look at these stones. They're all burnt, and look at these things. are all, all broken up. Do you think you can actually make something of this? Look at your life. Oh, you fail, and you fail at this, and you fail at that. Oh, you can never do this. You're always sinning. You're always... Do you think God can make anything of your life? Are, th- are some of these statements, do they sound familiar to you? Do they sound familiar that the enemy is speaking those things to you? A <laughs> victory belongs to Jesus. Let me remind you of that a few different times because we're going to be looking at a number of different things. Victory belongs to Jesus, and therefore victory belongs to us as well. Look at what it says in verse, in verse 3. Tobiah the Anam- Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even a fox walked along the top of it. He was like, you can build up this wall. Even if a fox walks, you'll just fall over. You guys are not engineers. You guys aren't construction people. You don't know what to do, right? Even a fox can tear it down. I don't need to be bothered with you. See how he starts to mock and discourage the people. Mock and discourage Nehemiah. Friends, don't listen to the voice of the enemy when he speaks words of discouragement to us. Block those things out. Be like Nehemiah who overcame, these, overcame this. The enemy will always try to speak these type of things to us so that we don't press forward in the will of God, in the kingdom of God, in the purposes of God, and in what God has for us. He'll try to, try to confuse us. This is another uh, scheme of the enemy. He tries to bring confusion to us. God gives us a vision. God gives us a purpose. God uh, speaks to us. God wants us to take that step of faith and walk out on the water. And the enemy comes and he tries to confuse us. Look at what he says in verse 7 and 8. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps of the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. Okay, it's going really good. Things are happening here. They were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into what? Confusion. They saw that the work was proceeding, and so the, en- the enemy said, we're going to come and bring confusion. How many know that happens so often? In a marriage? In a family? Right? Do you know what he said? Oh, really? Oh, do you know what she said? Oh, re- and then there's confusion that, that happens, right? And it happens within the church, It happens in our families that the enemy sows these seeds of confusion. He he sows these seeds of lies and we start to believe them. Jesus said it this way in John 8. He said, he was speaking of the devil, the enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, the enemy, when he speaks, he speaks lies. He sows these seeds of confusion. He turns one person against another person. He sows seeds of discord and disunity amongst husband and wife, parents and children, brothers and sisters. This is the work of the enemy. We are not ignorant of his schemes, right? Don't allow the enemy to speak lies into your life and into your family. He will try to harm us in various ways, right? 
He will try to bring us harm, whether that's spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. This is the work of the enemy. Jesus said it this way in, um, sorry, uh, before that in Nehemiah. See what, uh, what happened to him. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? See, they sent a message to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, come and meet with us. But Nehemiah was wise. He wasn't ignorant of the enemy's schemes and the enemy's devices. And so Nehemiah said, why should I leave the great work that I'm doing to come and meet with you? Because I know that you're trying to harm me. Friends, the enemy is out to harm us. He is not out for our good. He is out for our evil, for our downfall. Jesus said it this way in John 10. The thief's purpose is to do what? Steal, kill, destroy. Those are some harsh words, right? The the enemy's purpose is to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy will do whatever it takes to steal the hope of Jesus in your life by bringing discouragement. He will try to kill whatever seeds of faith are being sown in your heart. And he will do whatever it takes to destroy the work of God in your life. That is his plan, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But the plan of Jesus is, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or in another version it says, my purpose is to give them life and life in its abundance. That's the purpose of Jesus. Can you see that the purpose of Jesus and the purpose of the enemy are two things that are widely different, that, are, uh, that contrast each other? They're polar opposites. Jesus has come to give us life. The enemy has come to take away that life. They were out to get Nehemiah as well. They were out to ruin him. They were out to harm him. Another scheme of the enemy is that he will propagate rumors and gossip. Anyone here, you've been affected by gossip before? Anyone here, you've been affected by rumors before? Right? Unfortunately, rumors and gossip tend to spread faster than the truth. Right? And that's a, that's a work of the enemy. Nehemiah chapter 6, it says this. The fifth time, notice the fifth time, right? Don't think that the enemy is going to be like, oh, I tried once. Okay, fine. We'll just let him be spiritual and love Jesus and serve God and have his own good life. Do you think the enemy does that? No. He'll come back time and time and time and time. This is the fifth time they're coming to Nehemiah. They didn't give up after the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time. They were at the fifth time right now. And finally, what happens? The fifth time, Sandblet's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor. Not the truth, but what? A rumor among the surrounding nations, it spread wide. It's not just me, Nehemiah. Do you know what? The nations, right? It's not just your family. All of Unionville Alliance Church is talking about this, right? Not only that, it's gone to the national office, all of Christian Missionary Alliance. And then it's gone to Vancouver as well, all over Canada. This is what he's saying here. There is a rumor among, not among, Nehemiah, I didn't start this, it's not me, the surrounding nations, I just heard and I'm just reporting back to you. Yeah, right, okay. 
There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. Somebody else told me. Have you ever heard that before? Do you know what happened to so-and-so? I heard sister so-and-so told me that, true. Brother so-and-so passed the information on to me. I just heard it yesterday. Really, it's the truth, right? Unfortunately, rumors and gossip hurt the body of Christ. It's an enemy from the outside that is attacking and brings disunity. Geshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that is why you are building the wall, right? Note, according to his reports, you plan to be their king, right? Was Nehemiah saying any of this? Was Nehemiah trying any of this? No, this was not part of Nehemiah's plan, but they're starting this rumor, right? And they're starting this rumor and they're saying, we hear that you're planning to rebel. We hear that you're building this wall and you just don't want to be governor. Now you want to be the king. Friends, can I ask you to do one thing? Give the other person the benefit of the doubt and go and talk to them first. So many times we believe evil about other people because we hear it as a rumor. So many times we believe the wrong intentions and motives of others because we hear it as a rumor or as a gossip and it's not true. And that if you'd only take that step to go and ask that person, that things would be cleared up. Have you ever experienced that before? I have so many times that I wish people would have just, some people will say, oh, do you know why Daniel did this? <gasps> do you know Daniel did that? <gasps> you know why this was happening in church? And I say, well, if you came and asked me, I would have just told you. Friends, don't allow gossip and rumor. Don't allow the devil to work in our mind. Oh, Daniel, he intended this way. Or Daniel, he intended, oh, the elders, they intended this way. Or my life group leader, he was thinking like this. Or this ministry leader, he was thinking like this. Oh, that brother in the church, this is why, why he was doing that. And that sister in the church, this is why she was doing that. And we ascribe intentions and motives to people without even checking or asking. And we make a grave mistake in the body of Christ by doing that. They didn't even ask Nehemiah. They just said, Nehemiah, we hear you want to be king. Well, if you've come and asked me, I would have told you what the vision God gave me and the purpose of what I was trying to do. But they didn't. Friends, don't let this happen. They, they didn't even do this once or twice or three times or four. This was the fifth time that they were doing that. The enemy will try to intimidate us and cause us to fear. When God speaks to us and asks us to do something, there, there are times when the enemy will put intimidation in our hearts, put fear in our hearts so that we don't take that step of faith. Nehemiah 6 verse 14 says, Remember, O oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done, and remember Nodiah the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. That's what they were trying to do. Nehemiah had this vision. God gave him this vision to, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But the people around him, Sanballat and Tobiah, and even the prophets were speaking against him, trying to intimidate him. Friends, the work of the enemy is to put fear into our hearts. The word of God says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. God wants us to overcome fear, to overcome intimidation. Don't let the enemy intimidate you from doing what God wants you to do. 
Don't let the enemy put fear into your heart to stop you from doing the will of God. Don't let the enemy put fear in your hearts from walking in faith and trusting the Lord and stepping out to do something maybe that you've never done before. Now, these are all attacks from the, from the outside, but there are some attacks that Nehemiah faced that came from the inside as well. One of them was murmuring and complaining because of the circumstances. Sounds like a familiar tune, right? The children of Israel, they were experts at this. Well, it didn't stop. Look at Nehemiah chapter four, verse 10. Then the, then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be removed. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. This is a, a scheme of the devil that happens even from within. You might have a group of people that you're working with, right? And then maybe something happens and then there's some murmuring on, oh, complain, oh, do we have to? We're gonna come out for another night. I gotta serve in this way. Oh, I got to sacrifice for this. And there's murmuring and complaining that, that, that starts to happen. And instead of a spirit of sacrifice, instead of a spirit of surrender, instead of a, a, a spirit of let me take up my cross and follow Jesus, murmuring and complaining happens from within. We can be guilty of this as well, ourselves, right? When we see situations and circumstances and then we start to murmur and we start to complain. Why is Daniel preaching long again now? We've gotten used to him preaching long. Right? We murmur and complain. Don't let, don't let the murmuring and complaining, a scheme of the enemy, overtake us and rob us of the joy and blessing that it is to serve Jesus. That's what happens. Murmuring and complaining robs us of the joy of experiencing the fullness of Christ. The children of Israel, they saw signs and wonders and miracles and amazing things happen. And they lost the joy of all of those things in a moment. Why? Because they murmured and complained. They saw the Red Sea part. They walked through the Red Sea. They got to the other side. And in a few days, they were like, uh, what are we going to eat? Where's the water? Right? And they started murmuring and complaining. They, and, and you and me are like, man, if I saw the Red Sea part, I would never murmur and complain ever again. How many are thinking like that? That's what I would think. But God knows the wickedness of our heart. We are like them. If we see the Red Sea part, we would still probably murmur and complain just like them. Because how many miracles have we seen in our lives and we still continue to fall into the same trap of the enemy to murmur and complain? We've seen the miracle, the greatest miracle ever is one soul deciding to follow Jesus. And salvation is a miracle in and of itself. And we see and experience that in our own life. And we experience the love of Jesus and experience what Jesus gives to us and we fall into this trap. How about this? This, this is again, an enemy from within. Feeling of, feelings of being overwhelmed or hopeless. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt in situations where you're like, oh, I just feel so overwhelmed, I can't do this. I'm feeling hopeless, there's, there's no hope in this. Nehemiah 4 verse 12 says this. The Jews who live near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So Nehemiah here, he's working on the wall. He has all these people working on the wall and these people are coming and what are they saying? They're saying, listen, they're gonna come and attack you from every side. And it's not just once. What does it say here? Again and again. What would happen if you were working, you're just minding your own business, you're working on your section of the wall, you're doing your thing and someone's like, watch out, they're gonna come and attack you, right? Right? Then after lunch break, watch out, they're gonna come and attack you. 
And then after dinner, watch out, they're gonna come and attack you. And constantly, this, this refrain is happening that causes people to feel overwhelmed and hopeless. Friends, don't listen to those messages from the enemy. There are times when we will feel hopeless. There are times when we'll feel overwhelmed. That is the time to remember that victory belongs to Jesus. He's on our side. Distractions from a God-given purpose. This is something else that happens from within that we, can, we, we start being distracted from so many other things, with so many other things, right? How many of you got your phone out? Okay, version Bible app, ready for the, the, the daily reading? Oh, notification. Let me, just, let me just respond to that real quick. Oh, somebody sent me this YouTube link. Let me click on that. Oh, nice video. Oh, suggested videos. Let me click on that. Oh, let me click. Anyone else experienced this before? Yeah, yeah, I know. We're all in the same boat here together, right? Right? Distractions from our God. The enemy comes to distract us, right? We set aside the time. I'm going I'm to fast and pray today, right? And then the donut truck drives right through. Oh, it smells so wonderful, right? We decide I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some quiet time with the Lord, but then our, our phone rings and this happens and that happens. The enemy's out, it, 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 it's attacks from, from within, distractions. Nehemiah chapter six, I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had utter, uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. This is talking about somebody who was in the temple and uh, Nehemiah thought he was a friend, but actually he ended up being, betraying Nehemiah. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. See, they were trying to distract Nehemiah. They had hired this man to try to distract Nehemiah to, to, to cause him to uh, do something else. And if you read the verses before, it started out with good intentions. The guy came to Nehemiah and said, hey, why don't we come to the house of God? We'll lock ourselves in the house of God because we know all these enemies are out to get you. Sounds really good, right? He, it sounds like he wanted to protect Nehemiah. Sounds like he wanted to do something good for Nehemiah. But actually, Sanballat and Tobiah had hired him to accuse Nehemiah, to discredit him, to distract him from this great work that God had given to him. Right? Friends, I want to encourage you that God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your family. Don't get distracted by so many of the things that can rob us of that. Last one, hurts, offenses, and betrayals. These are attacks of the enemy that come from within. Hurts and offenses that come when we interact with people. We are made to be in relationship with other people. And unfortunately, one of the side effects of that is that there are hurts and offenses that come. I want to say right now, I, I'm, I, I'm, prob I'm more than capable of hurting people. I have before. And if I've done something to any of you here, please come and tell me. I would appreciate it. Don't let the enemy just say, oh, Daniel is against you, or Daniel thought this about you, or Daniel thinks this. No, please, come and talk to me. Don't allow those things to fester in your mind. And I encourage you to do the same for others. That if there's something that's there, go and approach that person, talk to that person, clear the air, put it right with that person. Otherwise, the enemy is ruining relationships. Otherwise, the enemy is having victory, and relationships are being destroyed. Hurts are there, offenses are there, betrayals happen. 
Nehemiah 6 says, during those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. Nehemiah was working, he was trying to do all of these things, and what was happening at the same time? Between the nobles of Judah, who Nehemiah thought was on his side, supporting him, helping him, instead of them actually supporting and helping him, there was all this back conversation that was going on between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. Nehemiah at the end felt betrayed. Hey, you guys were the ones that were supposed to be supporting me. You guys are the ones that are supposed to have caught the vision to help us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And now you're opening the door up for, for Tobiah and you're having all these back conversations going back and forth. And Nehemiah felt hurt, betrayed. Friends, don't allow the enemy to do this to our relationships. Whether that's relationships in the family, husband and wife, parents and children, brothers and sisters, people within the, the, the family of God here in your own life group or people that you meet on Sundays right, whatever that might be, your coworkers, don't allow those, the enemy to speak into those and destroy those relationships. The second part, understand the support that God has given you. This is key. So we talked about all these different things, the way the schemes of the enemy, the way that the enemy tries to come and attack us both from the outside and from within, but how do we overcome that? We need to understand the support that God has given to us, right? God has provided so many things for us. So here are a few things. Number one, the armor of God is there to help you. If you read in Ephesians chapter six, you'll read a little bit about the armor of God, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the, the sword of the spirit, all these different things that God provides for us. And in our life groups this week, you'll be digging into that and looking at that passage to see how do we actually put on the armor of God. Look what Nehemiah did. Knowing that they were, again, we're, we're looking at some of the spiritual connotations of this, uh, spiritual understandings of this, what happened physically to Nehemiah. It says, so I place armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I station the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. See, he put them there as they were working and he gave them uh, equipment in order to fight the battle in case that there was an attack. And friends, God has given to us in Ephesians 6 the armor of God. One part of that armor, which is vitally important, is the word of God. The word of God is our sword. It's the, it's the offensive weapon that God has given to us. In the armor of God, all the other things are defensive weapons, but the one offensive weapon that God gives is the word of God. It's the way that Jesus fought against the devil when Jesus was in this world and he faced 40 days of temptation and the devil came, uh, 40 days of uh, fasting and then the devil came to tempt Jesus. And when the devil came to tempt Jesus, the way that Jesus fought against the devil was how? Through the word of God. He responded with the word of God. The word of God is our sword. In Nehemiah 4, it says, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and the other hand what? Holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed, uh, uh, stayed with me to sound the alarm. They were ready for the attack. They were building with one hand and they had a sword in the other hand. They were ready. Friends, we have to be ready with the word of God. Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, says this in verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Use that sword. The sword of the spirit is the word of God that God gives to us. Use the promises of God. Confess the word of God. That's why it's so important for us to memorize scripture, memorize the word of God. So when you pray, you can use the, the word of God. You can use scripture as you fight against the, the attacks of the enemy. 
When the enemy comes and speaks to us something in our, in our heart and in our mind, then we respond with the word of God. When the enemy uh, comes to sow discord and doubt and gossip and rumors, confess the word of God. When the enemy comes to discourage us, claim the promises of the Lord. Use the word of God as your sword to fight against the enemy. Another provision is the body of Christ because the body of Christ is there to support you. One chapter that we haven't read here uh, as part of our reading is Nehemiah chapter three. If you turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter three, it's a list of this name and that name and this name and that name of these people that repaired this part of the wall, these people that repaired that part of the wall, these people that repaired this other part of the wall. Friends, you are not alone. You were not meant to fight this battle alone. You were not meant to journey alone. And if you read through Nehemiah chapter three, you'll see section by section, the names of the people there working together for the purpose of God. The body of Christ is there to support you. Reach out to people. If you're in a life group, reach out to your life group. If you have other people that can support you as part of the body of Christ in your time of need, if you're going through a difficult time, message a few people, ask them for prayer. The body of Christ is meant to be here to support one another, to pray one for another. That's, the, that's why God has joined us into one family, right? Nehemiah 4, uh, sorry, Nehemiah 4, verse 16 and 17. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields and bows and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who are building the wall. Can you see them all working together? Some were actually working. The others were doing what? Standing guard. Some were laboring and doing some physical work. The others were doing something else. Friends, we are all part of the family of God. We are all meant to work together. We are all one body in Christ. In Romans chapter 15, it says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. We have a work to do to bless one another, to build one another up, to help each other in this journey. I want to encourage you that if you call UAC, Unionville Alliance Church, your home, I want to encourage you to get involved, to serve, to bless one another, to give, to sacrifice, to get engaged in the community of what we are trying to do, to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time and make a difference in Markham, in Canada, and throughout the world because we are meant to journey together as one body. And if you're scratching your head and wondering, well, what should I do? Come and talk to me. Come and talk to some, somebody on our staff. We would be happy to help you to be able to discern maybe some of your gifts and to pray with you and to help you to see what can I get involved in. Let's not be consumers. Let's be builders. Can I say that again? Let's not be consumers. Let's be builders. We all have a role in the building. We're going through this series called Rebuilding. We all have a role. We all have a, a, a purpose and a, a part to play. And some are, are, are building and some are standing with swords to protect. Some are praying and some are working. Some are doing this and some are doing that. Some are involved in Toronto Alliance Church. Some are involved in Hampers of Hope. Some are involved in Christmas shoe boxes. Some are involved in leading a life group. Some are involved in prayer team. Some are involved in our welcome desk. Some are involved in, in hospitality. Some are involved in, in, in so many different ministries, so many different opportunities we have, we have to be one body in Christ, to love one another, support one another. Children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry. There's so many different things. Let us be builders. Can I encourage you that way? To be a builder. 
to get involved. Nehemiah 4 verse 21 says, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half the men were always on guard. There's always work that was going on. There's always things that were happening behind the scenes. There's always things uh, that we can get involved in. And they were working and they did it in record time, built the wall in 52 days. Be courageous in the midst of opposition. This is another thing that God asks us to do. It's unique in the sense of in this New Testament time, Jesus gives us the victory, but he also asks us to take a step of faith in response to him. There are times when there'll be intimidation, but we need to be courageous in the midst of opposition. Look what Nehemiah says in chapter six. They, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So this is what Nehemiah is saying. This is what they were doing. They're trying to discourage us. They're trying to intimidate us. They are trying to stop the work. So what did I do? I stopped the work. They're trying to intimidate us. They're trying to discourage us. They were trying their best to stop the work. So I decided it's not worth it. Let me just leave it the way it was. Have we responded like that? Anything worth doing, you will face trials and difficulties. What does he say here? They tried to discourage us. They tried to intimidate us. They tried to stop us from doing the work. So my response was, I continued the work, uh, the work with even greater determination. You're going to try to stop me? Well, guess what? I'm going to go the extra mile. You're going to try to discourage me? Well, I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart. You're going to try to stop what Jesus is doing? Well, guess what, enemy? I have some news for you. I am going to, with greater determination, go forward. Friends, the enemy will try his very best to stop us, to discourage us, to cast us down, to throw us aside, to speak his lies, to sow discord, to do all of those things. But our response should be, you're trying to sow discord, I am going to love even more. You're trying to lie to me about my brother, well, I'm going to help him even more. You're going to sow gossip against me, well, I'm going to bring this to the light. You're going to stop me from serving? Well, I'm going to serve even more. You're going to stop me from giving? Well, I'm going to give even more. You're going to stop me from loving? Well, I'm going to love even more. Nehemiah, with absolute determination, said, enemy, if you are going to come against me, well, guess what? You thought you were going to destroy me? I am going to come back with fierce determination, purpose of heart, with God's grace, with the empowerment of the Spirit, with hope in Jesus because he is the victory, and I will fight with everything I have because I want to serve Jesus. Praise the Lord. God wants us with determination to go forward. Why? Because he's fighting our battles. The Lord is fighting our battles. This is the last thing I want you to remember. If there's anything you remember from this, is to remember this. The Lord is fighting our battles. Nehemiah said this in chapter four. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What does he say here? Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Friends, can I ask you to do the same? Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is victorious. Fight for your husband. 
fight for your wife, fight for your children, fight for your parents, fight for your brother, fight for your sister, fight for your church, fight for the gospel, fight for the purposes of God, fight for what Jesus has put into your heart, fight for the vision that God has given to you. Live with intentional, intentional purpose to fulfill the will of God in your lives. When the enemies heard that we knew of the plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. They pressed forward. Worship team, please come. They all pressed forward in the work of God. When the enemy comes around us, the Lord will lift up the standard. When the enemy comes to fight against us, confess the name of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians it says, but thanks be to God that he, he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory belongs to us. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? William Carey, the father of modern missions, he was in India and he uh, translated so many of the scriptures uh, into many different languages. And his goal was to translate the Bible into as many Indian languages uh, as possible. One day while he was out teaching in Calcutta on March 11th, 1812, a fire came and burned everything that William Carey had. His entire library, library, his completed Sanskrit dictionary, part of his Bengal dictionary, two grammar books, 10 translations of the Bible, 10 sets, of print, uh, 10 sets of, uh, for printing 11, uh, 14 languages, sorry, typesets for printing 14 languages, and vast quantities of papers and his deeds and all of those things. He lost it all. And when he saw it, he came back and saw all of it burned down. His hard work for years and years all burned down. And he said this, how unsearchable are the ways of God. The Lord has laid me low that I might look more simply to him. We are cast down, but not in despair. He ended up doing all of that work over again and the translations ended up being better the second time around. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. The battle belongs to Jesus. He is on our side. He will give us the victory. Trust in him.